love about cooking? What's that? I love that after a day when nothing is sure, and when I say nothing, I mean nothing. You can come home and absolutely know that if you add egg yolks to chocolate and sugar and milk, it will get thick. It's such a comfort. Coming up, enjoy the comfort of an awesome listening experience as we review the film Julie and Julia. Welcome everyone to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you again for joining us in episode three. I have absolutely loved every second of podcasting so far, and thanks so much for listening, for downloading, for sharing, for being a part of this journey, and I hope that we continue to talk about all things film and food as we go along on this podcast journey. This week's episode is another film and food review. If you haven't checked it out already, our very first episode was a film and food review of the Pixar classic Ratatouille, and our latest episode was on my top 10 films of 2019. So go check out those two episodes if you haven't already. So we're back again with another film and food review, but if you're tuning in for the first time, you may not know what that looks like. So let me explain what a film and food review is. We review a film for both its culinary and cinematic quality. And we do this in three different segments. First, we look at the menu, giving some initial thoughts and an introduction to the film that we're reviewing. Then we move on to our second segment, It's Time to Dine. This is the meat and bones of the review, as it were, and we give you three different sections. We first look at our highlights, which is... we First, we look at our highlights. We always start with the positive here at the Film and Food Podcast. Then we give you our favorite film moments, and then we give you our favorite food moments, along with any analysis and discussion we have, as well as giving you our film-inspired recipe of the week for you to try at home and the reaction from the guests. Before finally, we wrap things up in a bow and we give our compliments to the chef. This is where we give our final ratings. We give each film a rating out of 10 for both its food and its film quality, as well as any last impressions and reviews of the movie. Every film and food review, I have a guest join me on the podcast. I'm excited to say that I have my first ever returning guest. My lovely wife, Bethany, is joining me again. So let me pass it over to her to hear some thoughts about coming back on the podcast. So, Bethany. Yes. You are back. I'm back. You're back on the podcast. I am. With the movie of my own suggesting. Which, 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 please tell us what that is. Julia and Julia. Nice. What's it? Julie and Julia. Uh, Julie and Julia. And who, what's the movie about? Quick summary. Um, oh, do, do you know? Do you have any spoilers? No, nah, no spoilers. I'm going to go in blind. Know? I haven't seen this movie, so yeah, okay. I'm going well, in, I'm, I'm going to go in blind as a bat. suggesting a movie to you. I'm like, hope you don't think it's cheesy. I remember it's great. I've watched this several times, so... I mean, that's all the thing... That's all the... That's all the... Good food, good story. That's good all thing. I need. That's all I need. And, again, for you to provide a movie is a lot of a... lot. It's going into a lot of your movie ratio side of your film and food <laughs> advice, right? Because you're... As we stated on episode one, you're giving more of the uh, more food... More about the food. More about the food. Yeah. This is... Are you excited prospects of what could come into your belly yes. from this movie? I am voting for, advocating for a beet and boeuf bourguignon off. Wow. Explain that. So you, my darling husband and podcast reviewer, chef man, this is the Uh, using either Anna Jones had the recipe, 
between us or holding kitchen so I can do a mashup between those two. Give it one kiss. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Yep, I think I'm gonna have to gonna have to do that one, I think. I don't even see the title maybe. alone. Just the the beat and both bobbing it off. Yeah, that is a great title. Say it three times fast. Beat and boof bog and yon off. Beat and boof bog and yon off. Beat and boof <laughs> So many bees, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all we need to say before we dive in. Yeah, I'm making any comments. Pause, pause the movie. Yeah. Alright. Oh, actually, what do you think this movie about? I think it's about Julia Childs. Who is? Uh, famous chef. Great French chef. French. Okay, French. French. I'm not telling you what you're right or wrong about. I'm just giving you information. Wow, that wasn't a good sign. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. And then obviously Julie must be someone. Is she like learning to cook under her? Is she like learning to cook somewhere else? Is that her inspiration? You can say all of those things are true. Alright, well. You're in for a treat. Let's do it. So this is going to be another amazing episode and we're not just giving you one film inspired recipe to try at home this week, we're giving you two tried by me film inspired recipes for you to try at home. So get excited, I hope you're ready to dive into this film, Julie and Julia. So with all that said, this is our film and food review of the film Julie and Julia. Let's look at the menu. Released in 2009, Julie and Julia was the final film of writer-director Nora Ephron, who had previously directed such films such as Sleepless in Seattle and Bewitched, and previously wrote When Harry Met Sally and Silkwood. The plot is based on two real-life stories. The first follows famous American chef Julia Child, who is known for exposing Americans to a whole new world of cooking through her famous book. We follow Julia as she chooses this new career of being a chef, as well as writing her famous cookbook and her relations with her husband and all the different times they move in that period of time. We also follow another plotline in 2002, where aspiring writer Julie, who's stuck in a job she doesn't like, decides to cook all of Julia Child's recipes from the book Mastering the Art of French Cooking in a Year. This brings about tension in a this brings about tension in her workplace, her marriage, and her friends as she attempts to cook over 500 recipes in 365 days. Two storylines interconnect as Julie and Julia bond through a shared love of cooking over time and space. As you heard before, this was my first time watching Julie and Julia, and this is one of Beth's favorite movies. I think she's watched it maybe five or six different times. So all I knew was there was gonna be good food and a good story, and that was about it. That's all I knew going into this movie. And I had an absolutely amazing time. I definitely recommend this as a date night movie. But it's really just a great movie for anybody to watch at any time. It's light. It's fun. It's full of great food. It's really enjoyable. A really great performance from Meryl Streep leading it. It's a great time at the movies. It's a great time watching at home. So this is really shot up there. And it's one of my favorite film and food movies. And that was one of the first things Beth and I noticed about this movie was its terrific cast. It's full of huge, big A-list celebrities, A-list actors and actresses who just make this movie come to life. And so listen to us as we talk about Stanley Tucci and Meryl Streep and just how great they are in this film. She's playing Julie Child. Yeah. Sense. I mean, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna play an iconic, it's gonna be an iconic voice. Like, who else to do it than Meryl Streep, right? Yeah. I mean, she's <laughs> she's criticised for her Oscar nominations. I adore Meryl Streep. No, no, no. I love Meryl Streep, but I'm like, she's like joked about because she's that good. Like, she's. Oh, well, because she's got like tw over 20 nominations <laughs> and she even like mocks herself, but she is just... Well deserving. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. But how much I love this film. I love this actor. Stanley Tucci. He's great and he's been featured in my ongoing program of 
possible with her being so late when she went through because we watched the original Shall We Dance, mm-hmm. the Japanese one. He's in the remake. Lovely gentleman, yeah. Mm. Fabulous. So good. That's a good movie. That'll have to be the, the that'll have to be the bonus series. The uh the dance. If you're into that. So, you've got Stanley Tucci, Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Jane Lynch. This is a great, great cast. They do an amazing job, and they really, really embody the roles that they play. One thing worth mentioning before the rest of the review is that somehow Julie cooks over 500 recipes in 365 days in one calendar year. This is an incredible cooking feat for someone who had a full-time job and a husband who lived in Queens and had a busy life. And so... It gave Beth and I a question about whether we would be willing to do the same or even able to do the same thing with doing that many recipes in this amount of time. So many recipes in one year. What was that? 524 recipes in... 365 days. Yeah, so you're doing 1.3 recipes a day, basically. It's a heavy amount. It is a heavy amount. You do one and you want a week, and that's enough. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, what about you? What do you think about cooking that many recipes in so short a time? Is it just crazy town? Personally, I think it's a little bit crazy. Or is it just a cool challenge and a really great accomplishment that she achieved by cooking through this many recipes? I have more to say on that point and that sort of theme later on in the review, but it is just something for all of those cooks out there, for all of those chefs you know, do you cook through recipe books? Do you go through books methodically or do you just cook what your heart desires? Are you creative in the kitchen? Do you have a few set favorite chefs that you read their recipes and you go off them? Let me know. I really want to hear about what you do at home in terms of cooking. So yes, this is another amazing film and food movie. It's all about cooking. It's all about food. So come along and join us for a great ride as we review this movie. But before we move on to the next section, I have to tell you, the next section is going to be chock full of spoilers. From now on, we're going to be talking full spoilers. We're going to be going in depth into all the plot points, all the themes, food, characters, film techniques, everything that comes to do with this movie. So if you haven't watched Julie and Julia, it is on Australian Netflix right now. So you can watch that. It's a great, great movie. So go watch that great movie before coming back and listening to our podcast. Or if you don't mind being spoiled, you've already seen this movie, well then, it's time to dine. Well, welcome to the review. It's nice to have you here. We are going to unpack Julie and Julia. So the very first thing we do here at the Film and Food Podcast is we talk about our highlights. We review movies because we love movies. I know that lots of people like to talk about the negatives, and we will talk about you know, negatives and positives as we go along, but we always start with the positives. So we're going to start with our highlights. So I'm going to pass it over to Beth to share her highlights from this movie. Wow, yet again, Beth has amazing taste. All of those highlights I share with her, but I also have some more highlights that I really want to talk about. 
First things first, I have to talk about Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is an absolute delight, is an absolute highlight, and she does an incredible job in this movie. Her role, her performance as Julia Child pretty much makes this movie for me. She's incredible, she's delightful, she's a joy, she's so wholesome, she's the epitome of just loving life and loving cooking and having an amazing life. So so thank you, Meryl. You're a treasure. You're the first highlight of this movie. Another highlight for me was just the simple joy of watching Julie and Julia do their cooking, go to the markets, go to the stores, buy their food, prepare their ingredients and cook their meals. It was just such joy for me as a foodie and as a chef to just see all of those awesome experiences of creating amazing dishes, going and getting the ingredients, talking to the buyers and the growers and putting that meal together and presenting it to the people you love. That is just the special thing about cooking. It's why we exist as a podcast. We love film. We love food. And so seeing this movie is just watching so many of these amazing scenes of food being created in all different ways. And trust me, I will talk more about the food in this movie. But from start to finish, your mouth is watering, your stomach is rumbling, and you are in awe just incredible, sumptuous-looking food that is in this movie. All right, so I've shared a few highlights, and there are lots of them, but I want to move on into talking more specifically, more in detail. So let's talk about our favorite film moments. This movie is written and directed by Nora Ephron, and she does a really, really good job here. This is the first movie I've actually watched of Nora Ephron's filmography. Um, she has some classics that she's written and directed, as I've mentioned before, that I'd like to go and check out. But she really has a deft touch, a natural writing ability, and a beautiful, subtle direction that she has put in into this movie. Yes, what you see is what you get. You are seeing Julia Child go through a few obstacles to reach her goals of becoming a chef and writing her cookbook. And you see Julie writing her blog and, you know, the tension between her husband and family and job and all, and working out what she wants to do in her life and overcoming some of her personal demons is the main plot focus of the story. But just the interconnectedness of the two storylines of Julie and Julia connecting over food. And you see Julia's book coming into fruition and Julie reaping the rewards of Julie's hard work and dedication and perseverance and all of her joy and love for cooking. And Julie benefits from that in, in restoring some of the joy and pain and loss that she has from, from her previous failures to be published as a writer, but also her job working in a post 9-11 insurance company answering phone calls all day, how she finds the joy and comfort of cooking food when she gets home from her job. It is an intriguing dynamic weaving these two storylines together. And of course, Julie cooking over 500 recipes in 365 days. We're just curious to see if she can do it. We're curious to see how her and her husband are going to hold up, how they're going to have a marriage when they both work full time and she's trying to cook at least one or two recipes every single night and write a blog about it and try and sleep and do all the other things that are required to live a life. And the fact that it's a true story makes it really intriguing as well. I actually do believe that if you go onto the internet, you can find the web archive of Julie's blog, her original blog that exists from 2002, and read some of it yourself. So if you haven't done that yet, I do highly suggest you go and read that. It's intriguing. It'll help add some layers and some depth into the film as well. Also, it's fascinating to read about Julia Child and her influence over America. This American woman in France, as her husband works for the government overseas in different embassies all around the world. And so Julia finds her passion and love for French cooking and is able to inspire generations. And she is not your prototypical celebrity chef. She's a woman in her 40s and 50s and she's joyful and infectious and you see that she makes mistakes but what comes through is her love of cooking and her natural gift and ability to cook yummy food. And we see that Julie feels like Julia is watching over her and connecting with her and joining her as she makes all of her recipes from so long ago. And this is a really intriguing part of the film. Meryl Streep said in an interview that she's actually playing an idealized version of Julia Child. She's playing the Julia Child that exists in Julie's mind. And so this is a really interesting plot point when it comes to the ending and what happens with everything at the end. And that is a pretty controversial ending in my opinion, one that left me with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but we'll have to get to that a little bit later. What I'm talking about here is the script. The script here 
is both strong and weak here, in my opinion. Nora Ephron seems to be a great gifted writer, and I personally believe her passion is more in the Julia side of this story. Really, for me, the best part of this movie is the Julia side of the story, with Meryl Streep, with Stanley Tucci playing her husband, and all of her adventures, all of her side characters, her sister, her pen pal, Avis, and all the female chefs she works with to write her cookbook. Julia Child has a wonderful, affirming, beautiful marriage that is just a joy to witness as her husband supports her in every single step of the way and they encounter obstacles and things that get in the way but their relationship is never sacrificed because of anything that is going on in their lives. They always support each other, they always love each other and so seeing all of those dynamics in play, seeing Meryl Streep play Julia Child with such aplomb is just the joy of the movie. And yes, I do think that the Julie plotline is a little bit weaker. I think that Amy Adams does a really good job playing Julie. She doesn't seem to have much, but she seems to be this slightly narcissistic, slightly frustrated person who wants to be a writer, is really struggling with her role, doesn't really know what she wants to do with herself, is having a bit of an identity crisis and turns to cooking to you know, break out of that funk and return into a life of purpose. And she says that she never finishes things and she wants to get this done. That's why she sets that deadline of one year. And we do get some really great cooking moments, great food moments, great relationship moments from Julie's plotline. I do think it is the weaker one, though. We don't really get to know her husband that well. He seems quite underdeveloped, in my opinion. And we really, I personally feel like some of their moments of conflict feel a bit manufactured and it doesn't seem like they have enough care or enough, you know, emotional weight attached to them as to the other plotline. I don't think this really affects the movie too much as a whole as it is quite well edited and put together. I actually think the editing is one of the best parts of this movie. Obviously, carrying two different timelines is a very hard thing to do. Um, and trying to establish the connection between Julie and Julia is obviously one of the main purposes of the movie, and so the editing has to play a real role. And I do think that they weave together um, the scenes beautifully. There's moments of montage where you know Julie is creating a dish to put into her cookbook, and you have Julie actually cooking that dish in modern day 2002 using her cookbook. And so you have a little beautiful montage like that that shows their connection. But then you also have, you know, moments where they're both overcoming obstacles in two separate timelines. They really are woven together well, and I do think that is one of the strong successes of the movie. And Nora Ephron uses her camera super well here in the way that she shoots food. There's so many brilliant close-ups of gorgeously photographed and sumptuous-looking mouth-watering food. The way that she zooms in on a fish or on bruschetta or on any dish that is being created brings this to life and really emphasizes that love of cooking, that joy of cooking that is just a huge theme that runs throughout the movie. She photographs Paris and New York in a great way. They have two distinct um, textures and color palettes that really separate them and also bring them together as Paris is a bit more brightly lit and a bit more nostalgic and muted in its colors, whereas New York is a little bit more grayish and kind of speaks to the themes. You know, Julie's in a bit of a gray spot in her life in, you know, this apartment where truck noises come by all the time. And so, you know, Julie actually finds her love and, you know, we see this beautifully photographed food in both timelines. That's really the connection between both worlds, between Julia Child's world in this kind of more vibrant color, more vibrant life into Julie's more gray palette in New York. So that's a really subtle but nice um, stylistic choice that I think really adds to the movie. The score here is done by the legendary, incredible Alexandre Desplat, who has already won two Oscars at the Academy Awards. He won those for the Grand Budapest Hotel and The Shape of Water, but he's also done the music for Little Women, for Isle of Dogs, and countless other fantastic films. He is an amazing composer. Here he brings a almost cute score. It's lively, it's vibrant, it's soft, it's sweet. Is it one of his, you know, top 10 scores of all time? No, but it really does a good job to bring the tone of the movie, to bring the energy, to just maintain the spirit of the film throughout. So he does a good job here. Now, okay, well, 
I really want to talk about the ending. So, big, big spoiler, at the end, we feel like the movie is building up towards the moment where Julia and Julie will meet. And it's, you know, it's about to be Julie's 90th birthday, and Julie meets with the editor who is responsible for getting her book published, and we really feel like that they're going to meet together. It's organized that they're going to be able to meet together. Or we feel like we feel like they're going to meet. We feel like that they're going to, you know, it's going to be the ending. They're finally going to have a meal together and that this connection that's been happening over time and years and through the cookbook is going to become physically true as they meet together over the dinner table. However, it doesn't happen. Julia wants nothing to do with Julie, that she hates her. She hates this idea. She hates the blog, that she's really not a fan of what Julie is doing. And obviously, this is devastating for Julie, who has been, you know, writing this blog, not to meet uh, Julia, but obviously to, she's a big fan of Julia, and she wants to do all these recipes, and this was going to catapult her career. And obviously, in real life, she did write this book and had this movie produced, but they never got to meet. And so, as an audience member, you feel gutted. You just feel like, what on earth is going on? Why didn't they get together? Why didn't they meet? Why was it brought up, you know, why was it built up that they were going to meet, that they were going to have dinner together, and it didn't happen? I just felt deflated. I felt flat. I really feel like it took the wind out of the movie, and the movie really just ends on a whimper, in Julie's storyline at least. Like we, you know, we have Julie celebrating with her friends that she finished it, that she did all of the recipes in a year, which is an incredible achievement, and it is a nice ending to her storyline, but I feel like it just ends with a whimper, and we do have Julia, you know, finally getting a copy of her book that she's worked on, and that is, of course, a very satisfying moment as we've journeyed with her through the challenges of getting that book published and written. So before we discuss the ending too much, I want to play the clip of Beth and I discussing the ending right after we watched it, and then we can talk about later how my views and perceptions on that ending has changed a bit later. I really enjoyed it. I think, I don't know, I think I was a bit let down that she never got to meet poor Julia. Yeah. That surprises me. Mm. But I guess they did meet. They'd already met. Already in a relationship. Is that the point? Sure. Well, like she said that she was felt like she was being watched over mm. yeah. I know what do you think about that Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I don't know. So I think that she was probably just like, I don't, I don't get it. You know? 
But why build up the storylines? Why weave them together? Why suggest that they might meet? And then, you know, throw the, throw that all under the bus and have them not meet and have, you know, Julia hate her. And of course, it's based off two real life stories. So, you know, maybe this is Nora Ephron sticking to real life. And was it worth it? I don't know. I've had more time to think about it. At the first time that I, you know, when I watched this, I was pretty upset at the ending right at the beginning. Now, I think it has a little bit more resonance into understanding the characters and the themes. As in, this ending signifies that Julie really was having a idealized version of Julia Child in her mind. In Julie's mind, Julia Child was her friend, was watching over her, was, you know, basically this guardian in the sky that was watching over her and, you know, giving her affirmation to every single thing that Julie was doing. Of course, the Julie child in Julie's mind would approve of everything that she was doing. You know, who knows, maybe Julia wasn't a big fan of her life's work, her, you know, crowning achievement of her life that has influenced so many people being talked about in a willy-nilly way on an internet website. So we have an ending that is surprising for the audience. It's being built up that they're going to meet together. However, it's undercut, just like Julie's idolized version of Julia Child is undercut when she hears of Julia's criticism of her own blog. And so I think with more time to think about it, this ending makes more and more sense. You know, Julie is a bit of a narcissistic person. She has a you know, and rightly or wrongly, we all do this. We all, you know, put up our own versions of celebrities that we follow or people that we admire. And one of the famous quotes is, you know, don't meet your celebrity. Don't meet the person that you love that's famous because often your expectations of them can never be matched by this person in real life because, you know, celebrities are just real people who have their own flaws, their own weaknesses, their own strengths, of course. But it seems like, even though they didn't meet, Julie heard Julie's honest thoughts about her blog and about doing all these recipes in that amount of time. And, you know, her dreams were shattered by not being able to meet her. So I think this makes more sense uh, in the context of the movie, even though, you know, I do think uh, some creative liberty could have been at play. But I guess it's sending this message that, you know, maybe, you know, Julie wasn't uh, as objective as she thought she was when it came to doing this project. And is the project still worthwhile? I think it is. I think she did a wonderful thing. But, you know, the fact that Julie didn't like it, is that in Julie's control? I don't really know. And so I guess there is a bit bit of ambiguity. There is a bit of deflation. There is a bit of a letdown at the end there. But I do think, uh, in retrospect, it does have a place in the script. It does have a place in the storyline. However, I still think that the Julie storyline is quite a bit weaker than the Julia storyline, the Meryl Streep storyline. And so with the ending in mind, this has a lot of themes. It has a lot of things to tell you about. It is a joy and such an interesting watch um, when it comes to marriage. We have Julie Child and her husband who have met later in life, but who have a wonderful, affirming, life-giving, joyful marriage. They celebrate Valentine's Day. They always have beautifully affirming, encouraging things to say to each other. They support each other's dreams. They have, you know, they flirt. They have, you know, funny talk together. They banter. They have a wonderful marriage that is only strengthened through the hard times as they support each other in their respective careers and life. And this is such a, just a beautiful picture of marriage that I will always be striving to um, with Beth as we grow our short marriage this is something we want to do. We want to have a marriage like Julie Child and her husband. They have a beautiful marriage. And, you know, on the other hand, you have Julie and her husband. And while they still seem to have a strong marriage, it is the weaker storyline, as I've already said. But it is also, in my opinion, the weaker marriage out of the two in the movie. But Julie and her husband, it doesn't seem like they really have that great communication. And, you know, they fight a number of times throughout the movie, and some of those feel quite contrived. But actually, it doesn't seem like when Julie embarks upon her mission, upon her challenge of cooking all these recipes, it doesn't seem like 
they actually communicated too much or thought about the consequences of the impact it would have on their marriage because Julie's already working full time, so is her husband, and you know, I just think that if they had thought a little bit more about the consequences, if they had been a little bit more supportive, well then, you know, this goal wouldn't have gotten in the way of their marriage working successfully. And I guess it all comes down to priorities. If you prioritize your marriage above other things, then when your food challenge or whatever it is gets in the way, you choose to keep your marriage strong and the other things can fall by the wayside. And I do understand that Julie was trying to finish off her challenge and get it done. I've learned a lot about communication from those two. And I think her husband is an interesting case. All we really know about him is that he works his job um, that we don't really find out until, you know, 75% through the movie. Yeah, and her husband seems to be on and off in terms of supporting her, who doesn't really do any of the cooking. Like, together, this stress, this stress of doing the cooking challenge, I think, fractures their marriage quite a bit. And while they still are together at the end, I do think it is it is an interesting exploration of around doing a creative challenge, doing something for Julie, which was to get out of a comfort zone, get out of a funk, work out what she wanted to do, write a blog, get her name out there, get back to writing, and come out of this identity crisis, it actually did cause tension in her marriage and almost defeated the purpose of what the comfort and the joy of cooking that she was trying to engage in. Honestly, that is probably about as heavy as it gets. It does explore marriage probably as one of its main themes. It obviously explores cooking and the joy of food. And as I've already said in the ending, the different ways we perceive celebrities and how we perceive different things and kind of ending, which is so deflating, actually speaks to how Julie maybe idolizes uh, Julia a bit. And Julia responds in a way that we don't expect, but is perfectly normal in a human sense. You know, we all have different opinions and Maybe Julia just wasn't a fan of her blog. Yeah, so that's probably about it in terms of the themes. It is a fairly light, breezy movie, but I love how it discusses marriage and love and cooking, all things so close to my heart, and I think they're done mostly really well. I have talked about some of the flaws in the story, but for the most part, this is such an enjoyable, smooth ride um, that is well-edited, well-paced, has great performances, and I was just really blown away by the filmmaking here and Have you ever seen food look so good as it does in this movie? It's just photographed to perfection. And I think for me, the performances and the food just make it a movie worth watching regardless of the story. But the story itself is still great. Okay, so I think we've pretty comprehensively talked about the film component of this movie. And now it's time to talk about food. And yes, what a food movie. I thought that... Ratatouille was going to be one of the best food movies we've ever reviewed, but this may be the best looking food movie with so much food in it that I've ever seen in my entire life. And what that means is, is that you as a listener need to give me more recommendations for great food movies so that we can review them on the podcast if you think there's a greater movie out there that beats this in terms of food. I was just so blown away by how much incredible food was in this movie. It was just the foodie's dream, a foodie's delight to just sit back and watch this beautifully photographed food. Um, You could almost taste and smell and of course you wanted to touch and use your knife and fork and eat it. That's how good it was. Of course, that is the point of the movie. Food is one of the humongous themes that ties the two characters together. Julie and Julia um, bonds them over time and space and through the power of cooking. Food is so vital and they did just such an incredible job. I've been rambling on and on about how good the food is because honestly, I don't know where to start. But I think the shot that blew me away right at the beginning of the movie is when it's literally the very first scene of the movie where we see for Julie Child, this fish brought out in a beautiful French pan and is just deboned right in front of our eyes, leaving this beautiful fish in its buttery ocean of goodness. And I want you to hear my genuine reaction as I saw this for the first time. We're in the first two minutes and the dude's just laid out a full fish and he's just like filleted it and left all the fish <laughs> on it. It's the best movie ever. The butter, you didn't even mention the butter. Mm. In, a, in, a, in a veritable sea of butter. Amazing. Yeah, so as you can tell, I was pretty blown away by how 
amazing that fish was shot. And Nora Ephron, the director, said that when she shot that scene, she wanted to call up Martin Scorsese and tell him that he had never shot any food that well before. And that's saying something because Martin Scorsese shoots a lot of famous scenes and particularly the garlic scene in Goodfellas, which is an example I used in the trailer for this podcast. So a big call, but she definitely backs it up. That fish looks spectacular and, you know, everybody wants to eat that amazing fish. Another observation that we made watching this movie is just how much butter was being used in each and every single recipe. And I love butter. I am a big fan of French cooking and who doesn't love butter? And so, you know, Beth and I reflected on how much we love butter and just, you know, using butter in everything at every opportunity. Size of butter. Bathe the thighs in butter. That's basically French cooking right there. <laughs> Bathe everything in butter. Delicious. Honestly, like, I have a book called The Cook's Manual. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. And when I, a couple of years ago, I was cooking my way through it, and a mm -hmm. bunch of the dishes in there are French. And, like, everything in there had mm. butter in it. <laughs> you cooking your risotto. Me cooking a risotto. Having yeah, that's a whole book of butter campaign. Hey. Risotto I, is delicious. I make a very good risotto. Make a very good risotto. Better than I've ever had it in Australia. What can I say? I've learned from the French. So we had the fish and then we had the butter, but this movie also prompted discussion between Beth and I about the various cooking techniques that our characters go through, especially when Julie is learning how to poach an egg following Julia Child's cookbook. This prompted a bit of a discussion about the best way to poach an egg. <laughs> Poaching eggs is really hard. It's really hard. You've got to have really hot and a really boiling hot water. Then you've got to add a little bit of vinegar to the water. Make a little whirlpool. Kind of crack the egg into the whirlpool, tip it over, and then one, you know, one or two minutes, boom, whip it out. Get some poached egg. You know, like prove it. I've tried that before, it did not work. And we will get into a more deeper discussion of all the other foods that are involved in this movie, but there was one more humorous little story is when we see Julia Child chopping so many onions uh, in the hope to advance her chopping skills. So she has this big pile of onions in front of her and we see Julia trying to chop and keep in time with the other men who are in this advanced cooking class in chopping onions quickly, which is a skill you need to have in a fast-paced kitchen. And then we see later that you know, Julia works hard at home chopping so many onions to then become the best chopper, the best person to chop onions, the best chef to chop onions in the whole kitchen, beats all the men, which is what, something we love about her. She has tenacious desire, hard work and determination to beat all the other chefs, but she never becomes mean or too competitive. Instead, she always does it with that cheerful Julia Child joyfulness, which we love. And so, this prompted a bit of a flashback for Beth and I as we discussed the horrors and the rules we have around chopping onions in our tiny little flat. Have a look at that pile of onions. <laughs> what does that remind you of? Trauma. You chopping onions for church barbecue. My eyes weeping while I stay up in bed. Yeah, I basically, um, we can never, I'm never allowed to cook. Not. I'm never allowed to chop more than two. More than two. Two's the limit of onions. In this house. Yeah. yeah. My eyes are broken now. Yeah. Let me see the switch. <laughs> we just went too far and I can't get back. So as you can tell by my example so far, this is just a movie where you pause and discuss and chat about food and about cooking and about life. And it is just such a joy to watch with someone like-minded, someone who loves food and loves to cook. And... This movie is just, I tell you, it is just chock full of amazing food examples. Let me just read you out just a sample of some of the dishes that we see in this movie. And this list is not exhaustive. This is just some of the ones that I noticed. So we had 
the deboned fish, bruschetta, chocolate pie, artichokes cooked in butter, chicken with cream and mushrooms, lobster thermidor, beef bourguignon, raspberry Bavarian cream, roast chicken, and deboned duck in baked pastry. Those are just some of the many dishes that are on display and they all look incredible and of course we get more of Julie's cooking in montage and some dishes that just show up for one second in the movie but but I thought these were some of the key examples the best looking dishes in the movie we have the lobster thermidor one of the most funny and disturbing parts of the movie where we see Julie trying to cook the lobster thermidor which involves either putting the lobsters in the freezer or putting them alive into the scalding boiling water in the pot per Julia Child's recipe. That is just a really funny scene and shows you maybe the difference between modern day cooking and the difference of cooking 40 or 50 years ago in France. We have the raspberry Bavarian cream that she cooks alongside the beef bourguignon that I said that I wanted to make on the podcast, but I never actually got to making. And it's just on my list of things to make for dessert. It looked absolutely incredible. And then of course you have the final dish that Julie procrastinates and leaves to the end because it's so hard. It's the deboned duck in baked pastry. She has to follow Julia Child on the TV to get the technique right, but she produces something beautiful. She has her friends over up in their balcony to have a party to celebrate that she accomplished her feat of doing all of those recipes. And that is a really sweet, beautiful part of the movie. Food is just vital to this movie. If you took the food away, there would really not be much of a story at all. And like I said, it's so pivotal and so vital to the movie that beautiful, gorgeous food can show up for two seconds of the movie and it's not a big deal because we have every single other amazing dish come along. You could watch, you could pause this movie at any random spot of the movie and I'm sure that you will find uh, an amazing food dish. And what does this contribute to the movie as a whole? Well, it just reminds us that food unites us. Food is a thing that brings us together and it is an art form. It is something that you can bring your creativity to, your love and your care. I believe that cooking for someone or cooking something beautiful is an act of love and an act of friendship. And we all eat. We eat every single day. And why eat badly? Why eat rubbish when you can create beautiful wholesome dishes that not only nourish your body but nourish your soul and i think that is director nora efron says it herself that this movie is about the joy of cooking and the joy of living and what a better thing to celebrate and what a better thing to sum up what this podcast is about and so please go and check out this movie i I just appeal to you to go and see it yourself it is amazing it's sweet it's wholesome it'll lift you up there's not many of those movies around so this movie's going to hold a special place in my heart okay so we've done our highlights we've done our film moments we've done our food moments and before we go and give our compliments to the chef we're going to talk about this week's film inspired recipe and it's not just one film inspired recipe but we are giving you two film inspired recipes this week and they are for Julia Child's Bouf Bourguignon. Yes, that that was my little attempt at a Julia Child accent. Probably wasn't very good. Yes, we have recreated Julia Child's Bouf Bourguignon. And that is the dish in the movie, of course, that Julie creates and makes for the editor, Judith Hones, that comes and visits her. And this editor is the editor that is responsible for Julia Child getting her book pub. Editor first tried this dish in the cookbook when she was reviewing it. And after tasting Bouf Bourguignon, realized that this book, Julia Child's book, had to be published. And so it is a special dish in the context of the movie, but it is also just a special dish. This is a dish unlike anything I've ever tasted. It is so rich. The flavors are so vibrant and strong and and incredibly powerful. And it is just a delight. So I really encourage you to go and check out this recipe and set yourself aside a good portion of time to complete it. But you're asking me, what is the other dish? We're creating bouffe bourguignon. What's the other recipe that we're giving you this week? Well, Beth and I like to eat vegetarian at home, so we've actually made a beetroot version. It's called the beet bourguignon, and if you're a vegetarian, you don't have to miss out on the amazing flavors of the bourguignon, but instead you can use beetroot, and the flavors are incredible. The dish is still 
a powerhouse that is going to wow any single guest that you bring along. I mean, I think you should cook both. I cooked both, but both of those dishes are going to knock your socks off. And so set aside on your day off, um, on the weekend, especially if you're going to have guests over that you want to impress, spend some time, you know, cook part of it the night before, do what you need to do, but go and spend the money on the ingredients, spend the time because it really is worth it. And if you don't believe me, well, I made both the beetroot and the beef bourguignon for a family lunch not so long ago with my wife and with my mum and dad. So I'm going to pass it over to them to share their reactions to my dishes. So first, I'm going to pass it over to my dad to share his reaction to my beef bourguignon. This beef bourguignon is amazing. I've never had a beef bourguignon so good. Uh-huh. Stop it. <laughs> This is my mum's reaction to the beef bourguignon. Mum, what do you so think? It's so delicious. It is, it's awesome. It's, it's really delicious. That's much better than the one on the television and cooked by a much better looking person too. And then finally, this is Beth's reaction to the beetroot bourguignon. How is the beet bourguignon? It's absolutely delicious. I've never had a beetroot like it before and I'll be requesting it frequently. Wow, those are some pretty glowing reviews. Go and check out these recipes and give them a go for yourself. They are on our website, filmandfoodpodcast.com, www.filmandfoodpodcast.com, but it's also going to be on our Facebook page, Twitter page, and Instagram page. So go there. It's in the show notes of this week's episode. You can't miss it. So go and get these recipes, print them off, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy. But don't just cook it. Let us know how you went. Email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com that's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com or dm us on social media get involved we're on facebook twitter and instagram let us know how you're cooking send us some photos we'd love to hear feedback from you it's all about joining the conversation wow so we've talked about this movie so much and it's time to wrap it all up in a bow we are going to give our compliments to the chef julie and julia is a movie that anyone can and should watch and will leave everyone walking away feeling joyful, happy, and with a smile on their face. We're up to the part where we give our rating. So if you don't know what this looks like, we give each film that we review on a film and food review two scores. One is a food rating for the quality of the food, how much food is in it, and how the food contributes to the movie as a whole. And we also give a film rating. How good is the movie, how well is it executed, its film techniques, and the storyline as a whole. And both of those are a rating out of 10. So let me pass it over to Beth to share her ratings for Julie and Julia. How do you take points away? There's literally 10 different... I mean, the viewers are like, get over this with the 10. This is why you listen. You listen for good film and food movies. Well, you know, we'll get to points when we're doing new releases and we're doing... I won't be giving you a three-star food menu. Why would I do that? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we, we might review, like, a new release movie or... That's true, that we don't know ...something about. that we don't know about. And not every movie is going to be a, a 10 out of 10. There will be some duds. But this is not a dud. Go watch it. As a movie, out of 10. I love it. Probably watch this five or six times. Nice. Don't give it a 10. <laughs> That is a big part of best story. <laughs> the movie could be executedly perfectly on every single level, but if it makes you stress, brown brown. There's a few moments where Julie annoys me. Well, that is a pretty glowing recommendation and ratings from Beth. But what did I have to say, and what were my ratings for this movie? Yeah, nice. Okay, I guess I I reckon like how can you not give the movie? I mean, how can you not give it a ten for food? And then, for as a film, you know what I, I think I'm going to settle? I'm going to settle on a seven. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a lot less generous than yeah, a seven's a great, it's a great movie. It's I just, a great movie. I just think, like, not every movie can be a ten. It's just a 
true. Seven. It's, it's, it's the haircut part of it. Haircut. Amy Adams haircut. Yeah. yeah. It did. I mean, I don't it's want to judge. I, don't, I know it is, but like, you don't really want to judge someone's hair. You want to judge 2002. No. Um, but I do think, like, I do think that Julie. It, it is interesting. Like, I do think Julie's timeline is the weaker written, weekly, weaker acted timeline, really. Wow, Beth and I both really, really enjoyed this movie, and we give it a glowing recommendation. To reiterate, Beth gave the film a 10 for food and an 8.5 for the film, and I also gave the food a 10 out of 10 and gave the film a 7 out of 10. This gives us a total score of 35.5 out of 40, which means this is a certified excellent film and food movie. You're guaranteed to have a great film with great food when you go and watch Julie and Julia. So, Julie and Julia is a delightful film, full of fantastic food, brilliant performances, and is just a movie full of life, full of soul, and full of love. We both highly recommend this movie. And it is a movie that inspires you to cook. So, before we finish, why don't you listen to Beth and I discuss our best ways we've found to learn how to cook. And finally, I will pass it to Beth for the final word. Any, any last words? Well, that about does it for this week's episode of the Film and Food Podcast, a film and food review of the 2009 film Julie and Julia. Our next film and food review will be for the film The Hundred Foot Journey. And this is thanks to a listener request. A huge shout out to Susanna Hoffman for suggesting this movie for us to watch. And we are all about getting listener and fan requests for movies that we review on this podcast. You know, email us, send us a DM on social media. We will definitely take all considerations, all recommendations that you give us. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I ask you a favor? Can you share it with a friend? We're still new to this podcasting scene and would love to get our name out there to all the people that want to listen to a show like ours. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And also join the conversation on social media. Let us know how you went with the recipe. What did you think of Julie and Julia as a film? Give us movie recommendations, your thoughts, feelings, 
We want to hear them. The most important thing is you join the conversation. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also on email. So join the conversation, and we'd love to get a fan community happening around this podcast. Until next time, goodbye, and thanks for listening.